Centers and from Mabel Wadsworth Center, providing comprehensive sexual and reproductive health services to people in northern and eastern Maine since 1984. Insurance, Maine Care, self-pay accepted, and reduced fees for uninsured clients. MabelWadsworth.org. Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, and streaming live at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Penelope Shar, MD, integrative medicine practice in Bangor offering detoxification, intravenous vitamins, bioidentical hormone therapies, and more. On the web at optionsinhealing.com or 207-217-8878. Support for WERU also comes from Susan Bakley and Chris Marshall at the 13th Moon Center in Montville, offering shamanic healing, Art from the Heart, through art, therapy, and classes since 1985. More information is available at 13thmooncenter.net, all spelled out, or 589-3063. Information presented on health-related programs on WERU is not meant to be taken as medical advice. Please talk with your health care provider if you have any questions or concerns. Support for WERU comes from Susan Bakley and Chris Marshall at the 13th Moon Center in Montville, offering shamanic healing, art from the heart, through art therapy and classes since 1985. More information is available at 13thmooncenter.net, all spelled out, or 589-3063. About 20 seconds to go before Healthy Options hits the airwaves. Let's give a quick look at the weather. Sunny today, high of 80s. Northwest winds around 5, becoming southwest this afternoon. Tonight, clear with a low about 50. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 70. Stay tuned for Healthy Options. Good morning. Welcome to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan, and my guest today is Dr. Kurt Vreerland. Dr. Vreerland graduated from Logan University, and he is also a board-certified applied kinesiologist, um, board-certified chiropract- in chiropractic neurology, and also cog- cogence. Am I saying that right? Cognance. Cogence. Actually, it's cogence. Cogence. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Functional immunology. For 40, he's been in practice for 41 years, and he's a teacher and presenter at various international conferences on functional medicine. Dr. Vreeland is also a consultant to other physicians, working with MDs, NDs, other DCs, etc. throughout his career. His office is in Rockland on Main Street, and his email is docvreerland, V-R-E-E-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com, and I'll give you a phone number should you wish to have it, 207-542-1777. And we are going to be talking today about the brain-gut immune system. We're going to be making the connection. That's a mouthful. So, Dr. Vreeland, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, and I, I hope we get some, uh, we we get some information out there that might help somebody. I I hope so too. I think this is great. So let's start right out of the gate from the get go. You're a functional medicine practitioner. I think um, some people have heard that term, but <clears throat> who coined that term? What does it mean to be a functional medicine? Um, practitioner, and also, what is functional neurology? Um, um, I think uh, Jeff Bland coined the term functional medicine um, uh, back a, a number of years ago. People were trying to describe a, a movement that was taking place uh, regarding looking for mechanisms rather than trying to diagnose disease. So unfortunately, so many patients fit into the category of dysfunction before they actually move into the disease process. Mm -hmm. So functional medicine tries to evaluate the mechanisms behind the dysfunction and correct those mechanisms before um, it gets to the disease process where it could be maybe diagnosed. So there are many diseases out there that don't reach the necessary criteria to be called something. Oh, like a disease state. So like, uh, um, just pulling this out of the hat, like pre-diabetes. Exactly. So looking at, oh, what kind, you're you're heading down the road toward this. And now it's my understanding that Jeff Bland, he's 
Washington. This yeah. comes out of the yes. Northwest. Yeah. And um, there's this huge movement where practitioners get all this training. It's pretty incredible. But there's also a fair amount of testing, isn't it? Because it's like two people can have the same um, even disease state, but how the treatment is, there's no one-size-fits-all treatment. Is there through the eyes of functional medicine? Am I right in that? Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. You know, we have uh, a lot of different types of lab available to us that can measure things uh, in in patients. We can measure um, levels of antibodies to the brain. We can measure levels of antibodies to the gut mucosal layer. So so we can see if there's antibodies to the um, maybe the parietal cells in the stomach that secrete hydrochloric acid. Which help with digestion, which right? Which helps with digestion and helps with food allergies and a lot of different things. So, you know, if a patient is mounting an attack, the, their own immune system is mm-hmm. becoming interested in their own gut mm-hmm. lining. Like a leaky like gut? Like a leaky gut thing. Um, you know, years ago, uh, before we had some of these, you know, tests available, we'd, you know, we'd start doing things that we knew would, would heal the lining of the gut, and we start to, you know, use probiotics and prebiotics and, you know, the different types of compounds. But Okay, you know, now that you've mentioned that, what is a probiotic and what is a prebiotic? I know you can buy them, and there's, you know, some are supposedly better than others, but also some foods are probiotic and prebiotic. Yeah. So just define that for listeners who might not have... Well, I see you brought your kombucha in. It's one of my favorites. Yes, I love kombucha. <laughs> so that's that's a really good thing. The, the kimchi, the fermented best vegetables are mm-hmm. all, all really um, great probiotics. And uh, so those those pri- promote the kind of beneficial flora in the gut. And, uh, you know, the, the research these days on the gut and the gut-brain connection is just um, – really remarkable. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where it all is right now. And uh, so a prebiotic would be things like um, uh, butyrate or short-chain fatty acids. So as one eats different types of foods and things like that, a lot of the grains have the prebiotics. And the prebiotics are like the fertilizer, for the for the probiotics, so it's it's good to kind of have a mixture of both. Some people need, you know, more one than the other. Okay, so so all right, so that's the functional medicine. But before we really dive into the brain gut, I want you to, to define functional neurology. Yeah, functional neurology is um, <clears throat> something that uh, was developed probably back in the late '80s and continues to evolve as we learn more about the brain. So. Um, as a functional neurologist, uh, when, when a patient comes uh, to see me, we look at um, different pathways in the brain from a functional standpoint. How, how well do these pathways operate? So instead of only, not only trying to diagnose a condition, but uh, trying to find ways that the, the patient can rehabilitate um, those those injured pathways. The patient might have a vestibular disorder where they may be dizzy or they may have a balance issue and they may be, um, they may have um, uh, problems with falling and things like that. So we try to develop uh, ways to have plasticity develop Mm -hmm. in the nervous system. So we find little techniques using the the, the sensory system. We use uh, different types of uh, Stimulation. Sometimes we use visual things. We use eye movement exercises. Sometimes we use different types of uh, auditory. Sometimes we use mechanical kinds of things that traditional chiropractors might use, like uh, joint mechanoreceptors. And um, <clears throat> we help patients with with specific exercises and things to to build plasticity in the brain. So uh, some of the uh, injured areas can continue to get mm-hmm. stimulation. Excellent. So let's let's go back now. Describe this brain gut connection. I've uh, uh, many I think listeners have heard about this. I know in Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Eastern Indian medicine, that's a big thing. I know a lot of NDs, you know, say your your the health of the healthy gut is you know essential for everything. So, um, but what about the brain gut? What does that mean? Well, there, there's an awful lot to it. And, uh, you know, the vagus nerve that comes from the brain mm-hmm. um, that goes into the gut uh, has 
used to be thought to be kind of a one-way street, that the information came from the brain and went to the gut. Mm-hmm. Now we know that the vagus nerve literally uh, will sense what's going on in the gut and then send the information back up into the brain. So you've got a loop. So you have a loop. So um, if you have something going wrong in your gut when you have all the wrong kinds of bacteria or you have inflammatory cytokines, we call these cytokine storms that occur from different foods or different sometimes pathogens and things like that that live in the gut, those things literally travel up the vagus nerve into the brain. So Parkinson's and different types of dementia and things that uh, uh, we thought had a very um, ununderstandable mechanism. Now these things are being associated with uh, those kinds of neurodegenerative diseases. And if you consider that the epithelial lining of the small intestine is just one little wee cell layer thick, mm-hmm. and some of the macrophages and what they call dendritic cells that uh, actually reach up into the contents of the gut and are tasting those contents on a continual basis. So those immune cells, as they reach into the gut and feel around for what's good and what's bad, um, can trigger an immune response. So when they start to signal through these cytokines, interleukins. So they're firing, right? They're they're firing off. They're they're making these interleukins and cytokines, and and those things circulate in the general circulation into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And those circulating cytokines will cross the blood-brain barrier and then can activate the macrophages, dendritic cells, fibroblasts, things like that in the brain that are sentinel cells. Mm-hmm. That should so be what cons- does it mean to be a, what is a sentinel cell? What does it mean to be a sentinel cell? Well, a sentinel cell would be a cell that's just kind of sitting around um, like, a, like a guard, like a century, right? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. And you're sitting around, then you're really not doing, there's not much going on, and you're just kind of hanging out, and, but now the alarm's going off. Okay. So as the alarm goes off, these sentinel cells that should be just at rest, kind of idling, mm-hmm. now become um, – uh, they take a, a posture, a position. They start making different cytokines. So creating more of an inflammatory so, exactly. condition. Uh, yeah, kind of a vicious cycle, more of an inflammatory condition. So <clears throat> you have that as- aspect of the gut-brain connection where you have a direct blood route mm-hmm. through the blood-brain barrier – to mm-hmm. the brain from the gut, and you have, and you know, in the gut you have what was what's called the the GALT activated lymphatic tissue. So you have a gut activated lymphatic tissue, which is called the GALT, and uh, you know that's probably eighty percent of your immune cells reside in that in, in that, that lymph- area in okay. that lymph area. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, um, it's designed to be a barrier between the outside of the body, considering that the contents in the gut mm-hmm. are still outside the body until they enter the bloodstream. So that's like a that's the barrier. Right. So there's uh there's a lot of things that we do that um in modern life that, that has an effect on that gut yeah, barrier. So it's like the gut is that that's the hub. That is the hub, and everything's revolving around that hub. So gut problems are really something to be – that's a red flag for potential future issues that are even uh, – well, the gut is pretty – can be a big problem yeah. for people too in terms of digestion. What? Okay, so there's the connection. Now, the sad diet, right? Yeah. The American diet. Yeah. Um. There's, you know, there's there's a big a lot of people aren't eating gluten anymore. A lot of people aren't eating eating grains. I mean, when Perlmutter's book came out, Grain Brain, and and then Wheat Belly, yeah. and those were out. And and then I read a chiropractor just recently. I can't remember, Doulard, who wrote um, Eat Wheat, yeah. because he's coming from an Ayurvedic standpoint and says, hey, if the gut's healthy in the winter, you should be able to eat artisan breads and cheese. Right. So, I mean, it can get very confusing for people. You know, vegan diet, vegetarian diet, paleo diet, that's the new thing now. Cancer patients, the ketogenic diet, a high-fat diet. 
Where do you stand on this? I mean, so how does we know? I think most listeners know that what we eat, what's at the end of our fork, affects our health. But how how do you how do you know um, what's the optimal diet for you? Is there a one size fits all? No, you know that's that's the beauty I think of um, this kind of approach to health, in that there's um, a certain amount of genetic predisposition. Uh, it's a cumulative effect on the body. So stress has an effect, um, the accumulation of different things. So, you know, for instance, if uh, one does a lot of, uh, say, kombucha like you have here and fermented vegetables and you're, and you're doing a lot of healthy biome type mm-hmm. things for your gut. and To create um, good flora in the gut. Good flora, and maybe you're getting some good short-chain fatty acids. You know, you're doing little chia seeds or hemp hearts, and, mm-hmm. and you're doing, you know, some of those flax, kinds of right? flax, flax seeds, flax and flax seeds and things like that. And um, and you don't overdo it, and you don't, and you have to also kind of consider that the kinds of things that we feed the bacteria in our gut in a modern diet have not the our bacteria in there have not been exposed to those types of things like glyphosate that's in the roundup so yes. the wheats and things like that so glyphosate affects what they call the shikimate pathway even though glyphosate has never been shown to be harmful to humans glyphosate is very harmful to bacteria so if you eat a lot of wheat, which is GMO or corn or corn oil or so genetically added, modified so, organism, uh, right? Yes, Food, the whole all, Roundup, all Roundup Monsanto Reddit, stuff. Yep, all that Roundup Ready will affect the kind of biome that you have. Yeah, and you know that's interesting. I was just in Poland and um, Czech Republic not that long ago. These other countries don't allow GMO food <laughs> in the food that. chain. They're not doing that. I yeah. know. I understand that. Yeah, it's it's America. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's really. Uh, and you know, we put antibiotics in our chicken feed, and then we eat eggs with antibiotic, and then we eat you know meat with antibiotic, and and some of those things are laden with with those kinds of chemicals, and and then we we um, sometimes are prescribed too many antibiotics and things like that. Then yeasts and things grow, and then yeasts uh, make their own antibiotics, and they kill the good bacteria, and you know it it, it becomes a mess. So if you're just joining us, you are listening to WERU's Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan, and my guest today is Dr. Kurt Vreerland, and we're talking about brain-gut immune system making the connections. We're at 89.9 FM in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming WERU.org. So, okay, it's food, but it's also environmental. Absolutely. So we're we're um, you know I've I've read other things where other you know writers and and uh, medical people have talked about like we're we've got like this especially the environmentalists sometimes that we're living in a toxic soup, um, and toxic environment. The whole thing, even with mercury in the air, mercury polluting in Maine, mercury polluting our waterways, and how much fish you can eat. You know, yeah. this has been out for a while now. It used to be lead way back in the day. Now we're talking more about mercury, mercury amalgam fillings, yeah. you know, all of these, uh, you know, how do we get the fluoride out of the water, the chlorine? So what do you say to, um, you know, what, 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 do you, what can one do about those things? Because when it's environmental, I think it's a little harder because now we're not talking about just what's on the end of your fork. You have a little more control about that. There are uncontrollable factors in the environment. Yeah, that's a you know that's that's the question really. That's a sixty four thousand dollar question. You know, we we only can control the things that we can make choices over. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can make good choices with our food, with the kind of chemicals we put on our body. You know the kinds of things yes. that are like antibacterial soaps and yeah, triclosan or whatever. Sand, that's supposed to be. Absolutely. You know that's all over the hospitals now. Know, that's yeah. at all the grocery stores. They're encouraging people to use these dry antibacterial soaps. Talk about that. Talk about the triclosan. What well, because there's that. That's a hormone disruptor. It's a hormone disruptor. It's a. It's devastating to the the human biome. 
so it disrupts the 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 yeah. human biome so other types of uh more pathogenic types of bacteria uh can get a foothold and begin to to kind of form um things like biofilms and all kinds of stuff in the system so um you know the whole hygiene hypothesis where we're trying to sterilize everything that is near us is is really uncommon uh, to, to human nature and, uh, you know, to our ancestors, you know, who, like my grandmother told me, you have to eat a peck of dirt before you die, you know. <laughs> and, and swallow a few bugs, yeah, right? And, and, you know, <laughs> kids playing outside in the mud and things like that. And, you know, within reason. You well, know, I mean, and, I'm not <laughs> and but I've heard about that, like growing your own food instead of, you know, if you've got it in good quality organic soil... You don't need that's, to wash all that off, right? That, that's right. You know, that's all you part of You want to pick it, bio. eat it fresh. That helps your yeah. gut, I've heard. Yeah, it does help your gut. And, you know, there are a lot of um, people that sell soil-based organisms, you know, and, and you know, they, oh, they yeah. sell these things and they're, they're expensive. And it used to be that, um, you know, humans were exposed to these things on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, we had pretty substantial immune systems when you consider the kinds of injuries that, that people uh, recovered from and um, were able to, to heal their, you know, like injuries during the Civil War and, and things like that. And people recovered mm-hmm. from those kinds of devastating illnesses and things. And so there's... Uh, um, there's a lot of um, things that we do have control over mm-hmm. that we can change and that, um, you know, we uh, need to find sometimes a really good functional medicine doc that can, you know, advise one on the other types of things that can be done, like, you know, detoxification, what supplements might be appropriate for your level of stress and and your particular time in life with your hormones and how much toxin you're exposed to. And and there are things like, you know, methylation defects where you don't... MTHFR. MTHFR. genetic... Yeah, yeah. so you don't methylate well, and then then maybe you can use um, sulfation pathways, and you can, you know, maybe... Increase the sulfur in your diet. diet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things are good recommendations, Um, you know, kind of figuring out, do you methylate or or not, or, you know, do you have a And that's a blood test, the the genetic... That's an easy blood test, yeah. Yeah. And then um, sometimes you can... uh, see if someone's got, you know, heavy metal mercury toxicity, and then you can kind of work with that. And there's there's a process to, to kind of get rid so of that. You're, so the functional medicine approach is looking at what is the underlying issue. You have, you, you have this problem, but let's find out why you have this That's problem, right. not right. just treat the problem. Let's look at why you have it so we can resolve it or at least... Um, you can <clears throat> live healthier with it. Right. Was that fair to say? Yeah. So... Okay, let's let's go back to the gut. So let's say I, I'd, I'd venture to guess that a lot of Americans have gut problems. I mean, I hear this from people all the time, gas, bloating, belching, um, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, uh, I, I, there's, there's a lot of people walking around this, and I'm not even talking about full-blown celiac or anything like that. How, what are some things that might be under the general umbrella of how they could fix it? Well, the um, r- removing some of the chemicals. In other words, if if the food that you eat comes from a farm, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. If the food that you eat comes from a factory, you know, it's made and it's just nothing but chemicals put together to taste good um, with lots of sugar and lots of hydrogenated trans fatty acids and things like that, which destroy the bacteria in the gut. Mm-hmm. So if you eat the healthy oils, mm-hmm. you know, the olive oil, Fish oils. What about um, coconut? That's always coconut a. Con- I hear sometimes that's a controversy. Everyone's in a while. People say, "No, I've been reading. You shouldn't have that. It's so high fat." Yeah, there was a new study just came out about the uh, horrors of coconut oil. But um, I think, really, in general, uh, the consensus is that the medium chain triglyceride, mm-hmm. caprylic acid that's yep. in the coconut oil, is uh, is a huge benefit to, to human physiology. And uh, so I, I, I myself have recommended, I myself take a lot of coconut oil. And it's um, good to, to cook with, right? Yeah, I mean, I it's better it. you can cook with that at a higher, it won't go rancid That's or right. bad at a high heat level if you're uh, stir frying versus right. olive oil, which theoretically, I if what I've read is correct, you're That's not right. supposed to be cooking high heat with olive oil. That's right. Should should not really cook with olive oil. Should, you know, enjoy it raw in your salads and, and mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, there are places in the world where they use olive oil as a beverage. Really? I and, didn't know that. Yeah, so, wow. <laughs> places like where they grow olives, like in Spain and Italy and places like that. See, so, yeah, I haven't been there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll, they'll bring the olive oil out and set it on the table in a pitcher. Really? And, and, and you, you drink and it? And you drink it. And, uh, you know, the oleaninic acid that's in there is, uh, is an amazing immune system uh, stimulant. And it's great antipathogens and uh you know so it does all kinds of really cool stuff and uh but you know flax oil is good and some of the exotic and, and oils hemp and seed and oil hemp right seed oil, what yes. about sesame seed oil sesame that's big in ayurvedic oil. food is that yeah sesame is a really a, a super food even if it's toasted if it's not it would be less so probably toasted because it's already uh, bent yeah. yeah and and uh if if one has a real um problem with wheat, like gliadin, then sesame cross-reacts oh, with gliadin in your immune system. So um, sometimes uh, these cross-reactors, people are on gluten-free diets, but they're eating all the cross-reactors, so they're, they're still in a pickle just as bad mm. if they're going for a lot of the gluten-free food, which is full of stuff that... Was, oh, some of it's full of sugar. Sugar because it, because just, you're 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 yeah, getting the I sugar know. to make it taste good <laughs> the, the, if you're buying it, you know. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, sesame does and soy does cross react with wheat. Where are you on soy? Because I, you know, I've read that soy is uh, uh, kind of an endocrine disruptor, yeah. um, but tempeh is okay. Yeah. I'm, What's I'm, your sense on that? I'm, I'm kind of, um, um, you know, of the mindset that soy has a lot of estrogenic qualities and there's a lot of xenoestrogens in the environment. So what's a xenoestrogen? A xenoestrogen would be a type of chemical, you know, like uh, plastics in water bottles and, okay. and things like that that we drink and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know the BPAs and things and and uh, those types of things will bind to estrogen receptors. And um so Creating People, havoc like in the Wreaking in the havoc and making an estrogen dominance. Right. So estrogen dominance is? Estrogen dominance would be that, you know, when you look at um, – when you look at body people's physique, and especially in men, you can see that sometimes they have uh, feminizing qualities. They start to, to get them. breasts. They they do, and that's an that's an estrogen dominance. And, and so it's uh, it occurs in men as well as and, women. And not absolutely. Just, and and, and does not estrogen make you fatter? Estrogen makes you makes you gain weight, and and it causes estrus, right? And so it prepares the body for pregnancy. So it, it allows you to um, become very um, you know you can pack stuff on really really. Easy. Easily, but it also inhibits the thyroid gland. Right. So um, a lot of people have trouble with excess estrogen, also have thyroid disorder, or they're, or they're taking thyroid hormones from their, from their doc, and it's, they're not working so well because be, of— be, Now, is this like the levothyroxine synthroid that's the T4 derivative, and their body can't convert that T4 into the active component of thyroid, which is the T3? Is that— the, the, one of the issues that, with that, that is that is one of the issues with that absolutely so um but uh, that will kind of uh, be one of those very hidden things that uh, doesn't necessarily show up in the TSH yeah it won't show up on a test doesn't show up on a test people still suffer a lot of people will tell you well, I guess I've been in practice a long time and and um you know their tests are normal right they come back normal but they have the list 1 through 10 of all the hypothyroid symptoms so give the list real quick <laughs> well the list is you know sometimes hair falling out um can't lose weight tired all the time uh dry skin um, unable to regulate body temperature, sometimes cold, sometimes hot, uh, brittle nails, um, missing the lateral one-third of your eyebrows. So the mm-hmm. one lateral one-third of your eyebrows will, will fall out. And, uh, uh, and you know, the, sometimes um, that's usually the major. Those complaints. are the major and, and ones. And those are the, right, and those are the clinical symptoms. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I know. I mean, uh, I've personally experienced that. You, so you keep saying, I have this, and it's like, everything's normal. Yeah. Everything's normal. Yeah. Once a year you get your test done, and it's all normal. And, and yet you are so many people. It's not just women, men too. No, men too, absolutely. You know, Especially with this, this fatigue. Thing. And then what I hear sometimes people say, well, I'm getting older. Yeah. That must be it. And yeah. it's like, 
wait a minute, just because you're getting old doesn't mean you lose your vibrant life force, does it? Right. I mean, I know older people that are just full of it. That's right. Absolutely. That's <laughs> I right. hope I want to be one <laughs> yeah, of them. Absolutely. We all do, you know. Uh, yeah, this, uh, it's a really, uh, it's, it's so ubiquitous. There's so many people around that um, have a borderline metabolic issue. And, uh, you know, then they tend to not be able to burn fat efficiently for energy. Their cholesterol levels go up. Their triglycerides go up. And this is all connected also to the gut. To, and it, to the m- gut m- health Much of part. it is, absolutely. Right. In, in many cases it is. Sometimes, you know, it, it, we t- talked about a little bit, you know, the, the hormone-disrupting effects mm-hmm. of xenoestrogens in the environment. Um, and uh, also, a lot of the gut bacteria will will start uh, will denature or break down those estrogens. So, as they are not broken down, they are absorbed through the leaky gut and they are recycled through the liver, and then distributed back out to the endocrine system to bind receptors and activate the system. Mm-hmm. So it um, you know it's really can be can be directly or indirectly related to the gut, but, uh, but certainly. But there's still a connection there. still a connection. And so you still have to look at, um, so the diet is always critical. The diet is critical. And it's one of the things that, one of the only things we have complete control over. Right. You know, we, we the other things, like you said, the mercury in the air and the environment right. and all those toxins, not sure that we can do too much about that. But, <clears throat> you know, in our own way, we can you know, support farmers and, and organic food growers and, totally. and things like that. Totally. <laughs> if you're just joining us, you are listening to WERU's Healthy Options. My name is Cynthia Swan. My guest today is Dr. Kurt Veerland, and we're talking about brain-gut immune system making the connections. We're at 89.9 FM Blue Hill, 99.9 FM Bangor, and streaming WERU.org. We're going to take a very brief break, and then we'll be right back, and we'll be opening the line shortly to callers. Welcome back. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Kurt Vreerland from Rockland, Maine. Um, I just want to give you want to email the doc. It's D-O-C-V-R-E-E-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. And he's located at 417 Main Street, Suite 202 in Rockland. Um, been in practice for 41 years. We're glad to have you. So we were talking a little bit about autoimmunity before the break. So what let's talk more about that what is it what contributes to it what repairs it what do you do there's a lot of this going around we're hearing all kinds of things about autoimmunity lately in the health literature yeah once you get kind of caught up on that vicious cycle it's um as you know the the immune system remembers like when you had the mumps or the measles and you don't mm-hmm. get them again mm-hmm. so when one constantly um, produces an inflammatory environment in their system, we talked about those things that cause that. It can be food. It can be toxins. It can be too much sugar. Mm-hmm. But that inflammation will start to, um, you know, it's embedded in the tissues. So as the cells in those areas take some of that tissue what it it can think is a foreign invader and it and it brings it back into the lymph node so you take these dendritic cells they're called and they 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 will bring a piece of that back into the draining lymph node from that organ say it's a thyroid mm-hmm. and uh, it it will hand that over to a cell called a T cell and the T cell will make an antibody to it. <clears throat> and these and these types of uh, antibodies can be made to the own their own tissue. So if you continue to produce an inflammatory flamed out system, the body's trying to take some of the tissue back 
to the lymph nodes and figure out what to do with this stuff. And as it's doing that, it's creating um, a reaction to the body's own tissue. And then it, once the body remembers, then you have what they call literally a T-cell clone. So you have a whole bunch of T-cells that are designed to continue to attack your own tissue. So these proteins are arranged, like if you can picture, several links in a chain. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you have, say, 50 links in a chain, but on link 9, 10, and 11, that cell has a receptor for those three particular amino acids. And that can... Well, we talked about cross-react, so so foods can cross-react with tissue. So if that particular food looks like that tissue, um, for instance, uh, dairy, mm-hmm. looks like the cerebellum to the immune system. So people that have sometimes problems with dizziness and things like that, they also have autoimmunity in the cerebellum, and they also mm-hmm. are allergic to dairy. Wow. And they're cross-reacting because the immune system literally feels down that chain mm-hmm. and picks out those three particular amino acids and says, ha-ha, I got this. I know what this is. I'm going to break it down. So they it starts making things like NF-kappa-B, TNF-alpha, IL-1-B, all these in, it's a cytokine storm. Okay, so these are all the cytokines. Yeah, it's not yeah. our friend. These are these, these inflammatory. Yeah. These are like really toxic stuff. Really toxic. I mean, it's good if you get like an infection. Oh, yeah. Right? So right. so your body flames out and burns up the infection. But it's not good if it's a chronic, relentless. Well, and, and couldn't some of this be like viral also? Like could, you could have yes. a low-level viral infection or, you know, yes. low-level infection and not even know it. I mean – um, Absolutely. This is not uncommon. Not uncommon. That's that's really uh, – there's been more and more um, evidence these days to, to kind of highlight the effects of these low underlying infections. And we all have them. See, we all have them. And it's keep, keeping a healthy immune system balanced so we don't tip it. Right. So it's not that you can necessarily guard yourself from a viral infection or even, uh, well, bacterial more so, but viral. Yeah. But but you um, so you always have this low level absolutely within your body. Right. So it's kind of like you're, you're then you're saying it's the straw that broke the camel's back, where it's too much of something, and then it kind of explodes, where you, the storm happens, and then you've got that's exactly right. You're in that disease yeah. state. That's exactly right. I mean, to to keep a balanced, healthy immune system that can. Um, surveil pathogens mm-hmm. when the pathogens tend to be less uh threatening the surveillance goes down the pathogens go into this kind of idle mode they're not very pathogenic so is it like a remission it is like yeah and we all okay. we're all keeping all these bugs all these pathogens in remission in our bodies at all times and due to some of the other issues that we have regarding you know, either too much stress or too much inflammation mm-hmm. with with toxins and foods and things like that, then the body will tip into the autoimmune realm. And then once that tips and once that vicious cycle kind of gets started, um, then, it, then it's a problem. Then they have a hard time putting those fires out. But people with rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus, MS. Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's, yeah. Crohn's disease, yeah. yeah, all those things, you know, and uh, so, and then the, you know the medications that are used for those are you know devastating. You know, people don't really well. They're hard on the be- yeah. the, the intestine, on, yeah. on the stomach, on the flora, right? Yeah. And so then you're 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 weakening your gut health, right? As exactly. a result, yeah. So I mean, some people need medication. I'm not right. I'm not against medication in all in all cases, but uh, you want to make sure that you do everything you can. Trying to work with the underlying mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Some people need to stay on medication. Some people can maybe reduce it. Some people can't. Some people can, can come off of it. It mm-hmm. just kind of depends. But um, it doesn't, you know, sometimes this is called, you know, I'm called an alternative practitioner, but <clears throat> in many times it's not one or the other. It's not an, an alternative, it's a complement. Right. You know, so you right. don't always have to just go one way or the other full, full bore. And, right. Uh, 
But um, so, yeah, but once, uh, if you keep a nice, healthy, regulated immune system, you can kill pathogens. And then when it's time, you, you know, basically your immune system's idling, waiting for the next event. Mm-hmm. And then um, it doesn't tip over to this autoimmunity and just and just run with that. Well, I'm on that note, I'm going to open the line to callers in case we have some listeners who would like to... Um, Ask Dr. Vreerland a question. Um, our phone number here is 1-866-625-9378. I'll give that again. 1-866-625-9378. If you'd like to call with a comment or a question for Dr. Vreerland. So, um, in these, so when is autoimmunity ever anything that can be cured or is it something that you manage? I would say in most cases it's managed because like when you get the mumps or measles as a kid, you don't ever get them again. Mm-hmm. You always have a predisposition to have an antibody say for your thyroid or for your joints. Mm-hmm. So if you can manage the inflammation in those cases, and that's what mostly the medications do. Uh, right. is, is help to manage that. And, uh, but they don't, um, so if you can, but if you can find that there may be underlying, in other words, uh, there's a lot of research now to show that chronic Hashimoto's is related to Epstein-Barr virus. Yes. Glad you mentioned that. Yes. I've been reading that yeah. about the Epstein-Barr being, so many people have that virus, that yeah. viral load, and they don't even know it. That's right. So, you know, we're all carrying Right, so mm-hmm. so many of us carry Epstein Barr, and we we just live with it in a in a balanced, healthy environment. And then and, something happens, and, and boom. right, then something happens, and you know they, it tips you right into the autoimmunity. Um, certain certain of the Lyme, you know, understand that like the bands of Lyme disease. Yeah, some of those bands in Lyme disease cross react with the Epstein Barr virus. So sometimes it's when I say that you know as that immune cell feels down that chain of amino acids and it and it spots something that looks like Lyme disease. Sometimes Lyme and Epstein Barr can can cross react like that, and they, it can be sometimes confusing. So, uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things that our immune system is doing uh, on a regular basis, and you know if we have a healthy brain, you know our brain will <clears throat> help to provide a balance to the immune system. We have a right hemisphere. We have a left hemisphere. Part of it is relates to autoimmunity. Part of it relates to fighting infection. So a good output in the vagus nerve mm-hmm. suppresses inflammation, especially this chemical IL-6, this interleukin, this, this really pro-inflammatory that actually pushes the T cells into an autoimmune state. Mm-hmm. So a good healthy vagal output, have a good healthy vagal output, you need a good cerebellum. To have a good cerebellum, you need to, you know, take a walk every day for 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or what, what about <laughs> what about the, uh, for the lymphatic, jumping up on a yeah, trampoline, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day, even yeah. just jumping up and down. Or I guess you could do it in a water exercise program. Not going to benefit your bones as well. But, yeah. No, it's brilliant. But it, it will get that, help work through yeah. that lymphatic system and you get that uh, nice exercise. So, yeah, the importance of doing something like that every yeah. day. Well, what about the sun? Sun is like, you know, one of those things that, um, you know, here in Maine is something that deserves a little talking about. And uh, getting vitamin D by supplement form is important, but it's not the same as getting it from the sun. So sun actually allows your body to make sulfite molecules. So you have make cholesterol sulfate, you, you make melatonin sulfate, and you make um, um, you make the ability to these are carrier molecules. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed you're able to carry vitamin D around your system. So it's really important to get enough sunlight to move vitamin D around your body. And uh it's a much better way of um of delivering it to the system. And and if you take vitamin D, it's important and you everyone should know their vitamin D levels even more so than in, they know their cholesterol levels. And they should right. know them in the summer and they should know them in the winter. <laughs> right, right, right. Because they're different. They're because different. Because we don't get the sun in the winter. That's right. I mean, so many people have to supplement unless they're taking a hiatus down to Florida or Arizona right. or something like that. Uh, let me enter. We've got a caller. This is Kathleen. Welcome, Kathleen. 
Um, what would you like to ask Dr. Vreerland? That's okay. It's Catherine. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Yes, well, I had all sorts of questions until I heard the vagal nerve mentioned. <laughs> and unfortunately, I had to have my vagus nerve cut like about oh, 18 years ago. And um, one of the reasons I'm losing my voice, I believe, is because it also impacts your vocal cords. Um, but I just want to know what you have to say about a vagus nerve that's been cut with immune deficiency and what have you. And maybe at some point you can talk about the brown tail moth and how that's affecting people here in Maine with incredible rashes. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that. Have you heard about that, Doctor? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, yeah I have. Pretty scary. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I, I, I must say that I don't have a lot of experience yet. I've, I'm just kind of. Uh, Apparently, there's nothing that can be done except that's maybe right. an antihistamine. That's right. You know, it's anti- coming our way. Okay, I'm going to get off the phone and turn my radio up so I can hear about the vagus nerve. Okay, great. Thank let you. me let me ask you one question. Sure. Did you have both sides cut or one side? I think both. I think both. And do you do you have do you still have any kind of um, bowel activity at all? Yes, you do. So, so maybe I just had one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the bowel acti- bowel activity is oh god. Plus, they had to take my gallbladder also. So yeah. all these things are are now becoming problems as I get older. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm seventy two now. So my skin's very, very dry, and I'm lining. But anyway, I'll listen to you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah. So, um, and I know you can't diagnose or anything, but but you, but in the best way you can respond to, you know, I would uh, just go ahead and Google vagal exercises, things like gargling, things like gagging like a gag reflex, um, things like doing very deep breathing, like yoga-type deep breathing and things like that will activate the vagus nerve. So if you have half of it left, and uh, so it would be kind of hard to make a recommendation not knowing, like, why right. that was cut and things like that. But, you know, it's all over the Internet. And, and these things are like singing and, and uh, you know, doing uh, deep breathing exercises, those kinds of things. Kind of um, build it up? Kind of build it up, exercise up, neuroplasticity. Yeah, because so, now they know that the brain that, that yeah, it can rehabilitate absolutely. that it's it's not yeah it's not gone forever yeah. something is not gone forever. So you know sometimes um, if you were to ask your your doctor that knows a little bit more about your surgery and uh, make sure that it's a safe thing to do. The, but you know if you look up on the internet and look at um, vagal nerve stimulation. Uh, you'll probably get a half a million hits. And uh, some of those things are real simple things, and just check them with your doctor. Make sure that, you know, you're not going to do any damage. I'm not sure why they, would, you know, they cut the nerve or anything, but, you know, you probably want to clear that. But otherwise, there's there's lots of things you can do to rehabilitate your vagus nerve if they're what's left of it. Excellent. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan, and my guest is Dr. Kurt Vreerland, a 41-year practitioner, teacher, presenter, and um, also a functional medicine practitioner. We're talking about brain, gut, immune system, making the connections, and you're listening to WERU, 89.9 FM, 99.9 FM in Bangor, and streaming WERU. If you feel like you want to call in and ask Dr. Vreerland a question in the 10 minutes or plus remaining, please do 1-866-625-9378. And again, that number is 1-866-625-9378. Well, one of the things that we didn't, um, I mean, we've touched and danced around it is the whole stress connection. And and, um, let's Let's go there now. Um, you're you're also a thyroid expert, and stress affects the endocrine system. Right. How how does that happen? How does stress affect the endocrine system? Well, you know, we um, are designed to have a flight or fight, and a rest and digest system, and they're on a seesaw. They're on a teeter totter. So if you're all in on one side, the flight or fight, which is the stress system, you're either going to run or fight, or the rest and digest, which is all parasympathetic. That's all vagal. Mm. So, 
you know, the vagus nerve comes into it and the whole vagal system and the dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus and the brain stem and, and all those things, how healthy they are. They have receptors in there for things like cortisol and thyroid hormone. So it's real important. They also have receptors for insulin. So only we talk, you know, the, the, the whole metabolic syndrome, the prediabetes, the right. diabetes, the <clears throat> obesity, all that insulin. Insulin resistance. Insulin resistance. So insulin inhibits the vagus nerve. And cortisol, which is the stress hormone, is tipping your teeter-totter on the flight-or-fight side instead of the rest and digest. So you don't sleep. You lose the whole sleep component of the brain's ability to heal and the immune system's ability to reset itself. Because sleep is a Because sleep is like thing. a big thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so many docs, you know, your patient comes in, they, you know, how, how do you sleep? Well, I, you know, I don't sleep at all. And, you know, that you got you to gotta attack that first So thing. the on switch is on Absolutely. all the time and you got to work to get that. Okay. So that cortisol, that stress thing, I mean, we could go in. There's a lot to that. but um, So stress is not just um, <clears throat> in, in defining stress. I mean, I know people hear this all the time, but it's not just the... Um, you know, you're worrying about something or outside, you know, you, you know, the biggies, like you're moving, divorce, job right. shift, death, but also stress in terms of the food you eat, right? I mean, that can Absolutely. create havoc in the body and create a lot of stress. So it could be internal, external influences. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the amount of carbohydrate, the amount of simple sugars that we have in our diet causes insulins, insulin to spike. And then when insulin spikes, then it comes down very, very quickly. And mm -hmm. uh, then cortisol has to kick in. So you're playing ping pong with your insulin and cortisol in your body. So your adrenals and pancreas are always playing this ping pong game of metabolism when you should be deriving your energy from the food you eat, not having you use your endocrine system. To kick to, it up. To, to kick up the, the energy that you need to, to, to kind of go about your day. And then if you don't have the energy to go about your day, then that's stressful too. Because well, and that's why people use coffee, right? right. Isn't that why exactly. they use caffeine, caffeine and, and, and then, yeah, you know, alcohol at night uh, yeah. sometimes to bring them down because they've yeah. been ramped up. That's and, right. And then the alcohol interferes with the sleep pattern anyway because it's a depressant and then becomes a stimulant if i'm remembering that yeah. right in the body it like wakes yeah. you up or something at night yeah. so so you don't get a deep sleep you don't get a good sleep yeah and and, and alcohol is a uh, kills bacteria ah gut. kills gut bacteria yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> yes like it would like you would want to sterilize something you know so that yeah know, of course there was a study came out not long ago where 90 percent of all Alcoholics have SIBO. Are you familiar with yes, that? Um, yes, that uh, uh, growth, bacterial overgrowth. Yeah, small intestine bacterial mm -hmm. overgrowth. So 90% of alcoholics have SIBO. Oh, and of course that makes yeah, sense. And yeah. then um, because of the addiction itself, it, alcohol is rich in sugar. Yeah. And so then the, the desire is to eat a lot of sugar. Right. Which is going to affect the gut as well. Yeah, so not, you're just switching off sugars. Of course, the alcohol is probably wor much worse than a a devil dog or whatever those yeah. things are, Twinkies and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff that people yeah. reach for. Yeah. But um, not everybody reaches. I realize that our listeners, many of them don't reach for those things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, you know, the food that's not produced on the farm, in other words. Right, <laughs> right, right. The stuff that's, that's made up with the exo, what is it, yeah. exocytins or whatever. Yeah. Excitotoxins. Excitotoxins, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, and then the, then you're addicted to them and you just want to keep, yeah. keep going. Keep exciting your brain. Till it, and, and the food industry does that on purpose because yeah. they want to get you to buy that product. Yeah, and then you're like. Out. Yeah, it's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I um, I went to get an iced tea. I was in Augusta yesterday. I went to get an iced tea, and I said, I'll have a small, unsweetened iced tea. And she said, we don't carry small anymore. It's either medium or large. <laughs> and then when so. I got the tea, it had sugar in it. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what happened to the small when you it's just like, want right. like six, seven sips of something and you don't want the big, you right. know, the supersized yeah. container? I think that was a documentary too, wasn't yeah. it? Supersize me. me. Yeah, yeah. supersize yeah. me. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it's kind of like it, you feel sometimes like the system is working against you. Absolutely. And, you know, they, it's almost unheard of not to have – the sugar in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, what? You're going to drink tea without sugar? sugar? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It tastes so much better with just straight lemon. Yeah. Um, but uh, so 
it, what what are some of the things that you recommend for um, your patients when it's you know in terms of stress reduction? Stress reduction, um, exercise is usually a really good uh, way. And um, but if you know, they're adrenal fatigued, what kind of because you know, a lot yeah, of people true. right they're yeah, they're absolutely. if they have a thyroid problem they've got an adrenal, adrenal problem, problem all this is connected yeah, absolutely. So what, what would do you, you do? What do you do? Usually things, you know, yoga is great. Yoga is great. Um, yoga can be hardcore these hardcore, days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just yoga the, classes, yeah. <laughs> you know. Just taking a walk, enjoying the day, you know, just taking some time to meditate, you know, breathe deep, relax, mm-hmm. you know. and uh, uh, But, you know, walking is just phenomenal for the human body and, and oh, yeah. not, not walking, walk. not walking, um, looking at your Facebook, you know. I mean, right. I see people out walking, you know, looking at their phones. I mean, swinging your arms, enjoying the day, smelling the roses and yep. those kinds of things, you know. Just get out and, you know, take a break a little bit. Take a break. So I want to ask you a personal question. How come you do this work? Uh, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I guess I was blessed with a, um, a kind of a way of thinking about things that um, uh, allows me to, to kind of understand the neurology, the immunology, the physiology. And, um, you know, the more I understand it, the more I realize that there's just so much more to know. And um, and I like working with people that have fallen through the cracks. So mostly the people that end up in my office have been referred on from from other docs. Sometimes not, but... but uh, Many times they've tried many different things tried, and yeah. they just feel that they're losing hope and they're still suffering. Yeah, and I have the... I have the luxury to be able to spend the time necessary, you know, if we need an hour or two or three, you know, we, we use it. And uh, so sometimes it takes that to sort people out. And, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe uh, in a past life I was Sherlock Holmes or somebody trying to solve a mystery. Because ah, <laughs> yeah. So you like that, being the sleuth, I like the doctor the sleuth. sleuth, the doctor sleuth. I, I do. I do. When I flick on my ophthalmoscope and I look in somebody's eye and I start my exam through their neurological system and things like that, you know, things start to, to light up and click and things start to, to connect. And So you, you know, like that, yeah, putting the pieces together. Yeah. Now, why is this happening right. to this why person, is, to right. this person? Right. Why is that happening? And so, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy it. I, I thought maybe, you know, I would retire, but... Um, you know, I spent six years in the Caribbean uh, with a clinic uh, for kids and, and uh, you know, helping them understand what ADHD was and mm. what autism was and what OCD was and what pervasive developmental disorders uh, Developmental were. delay. All the de- yeah. delays and all those things. So we, we helped them uh, – uh, put that together. My daughter helped me down there. She's a chiropractor. Her fiancé, too, they came down and helped me for a couple of years. And it was just fantastic. And, you know, seeing a kid, a child who has really not much of a chance in life, put him on a whole new track. I know that at the end of his life, you know, it's a long track. So sometimes older people, the tracks are shorter. So, the, mm-hmm. you know, the change is not as much as you would get, say, in a four-year-old or a five-year-old. Right, right. You get a major difference. So, um but, yeah, I thought maybe I'd retire, but um, what I did is kind of rearrange the practice so I can just spend as much time as I need with, with people and, and um, um, you know, just kind of see more of the people that fall through the cracks. And and, and so – and then you were in Vermont yeah. for a number of years. That's where you're from. Yeah. You, you yeah. hail from Vermont. Hail from Vermont, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and, and then to Maine. And then to now Maine, here. yeah, I you know love you know, my time in Vermont. It was great. We we had a farm there, and uh, my son is a chiropractic neurologist and a, just an expert in functional medicine. He still runs the practice in Vermont, and wow. uh, we always came to Maine on vacation. You know? Oh, of course, yes. So you know, you went from the mountains to the water. Yeah. The water. And the- <laughs> So, you know, that T-shirt they sell, all the, all the tourists, you know, I, I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Yeah, yeah, You know, exactly. I feel like that because I, I just love Maine. I just love I just love everything about it. So, um, yeah, it's fun being here, but I love it being closer to the water. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, water ocean. is very healing. Those yeah. negative ions, <laughs> yeah, got to have them, got to have them. Absolutely. So we're coming to a close here. I wanted to just thank Dr. Kurt Virlin for being a guest and for having this conversation. And if you want to get a hold of him, you can email him at docvreerland, V-R-E-E-L-A-N-D, 
at gmail.com. Give you a phone number for his office, 207-542-1777. His office is located on 417 Main Street, Suite 202 in Rockland. And I want to, I want to, um, I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank John for once again engineering our show. We'd be lost without you here, John. And Dr. Verland, thanks so much. This is Cynthia Swan signing off from Healthy Options. Any parting thing where people could learn more? What what might you throw out as a little tidbit, a uh, book, online, anything? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you look online, you look at some of the paleo Paleo. Stuff, you okay. know, those, those kinds of things. Ketogenesis, paleo. Pearl mutter. Take the sugar out of your diet. Get a walk. Smell the roses. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure having you on the show. Thanks. Thanks. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Our Town Belfast, hosting their annual auction and gala July 19th from 6 to 10 p.m. at the Belfast Boathouse. Bids accepted on Belfast experiences with refreshments by Trillium and Marshall Wharf and music by DJ Klausmeyer. 218-1158, Ourtown.